the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I came across this story about an atheist who was swimming in the ocean one day. Suddenly he saw a shark in the water. So he started swimming furiously towards his boat. He looked back and saw the shark turn his head and head towards him. He was scared to death. And as he saw the jaws of the great white beast open, revealing its horrific teeth, he screamed, Oh God, save me. In an instant, time was frozen, and a bright light shone down from above. The man was motionless in the water when he heard the voice of God say, You are an atheist. Why do you call upon me when you do not believe in me? The man was confused, and he knew he could not lie. So he replied, well, that's true. I don't believe in you. But what about the shark? Can you make the shark believe in you? The Lord replied, as you wish, and the light retracted back into the heavens. The man felt the water moving once again. And as he looked back, he saw the jaws of the shark start to close down on him. When all of a sudden the shark stopped and pulled back. The man watched as a huge beast closed his eyes, bowed his head and said, thank you Lord for this food which I am about to receive. <laughs> it's always important to give thanks for our food, isn't it? <laughs> but have you also noticed that most of the fellowship events at churches revolve around food? And not just churches, most fellowships in our lives also, whether it's a birthday party, a wedding, or even funerals involve some kind of reception. Even after service here, we have coffee and donuts. And for some younger parishioners, and maybe some of you older ones, that's a favorite part of the service. And in September, we will have the lobster truck here again. VBS, the blessing of the badges, the scholarship dinner, all have some type of food involved. And it seems we cannot have an event at church without gathering to eat. Why, you wonder? Well, coming together around a meal encourages fellowship. There are certain rituals, both spiritual and historic. In fact, many of Jesus' miracles and teachings and parables involved food. The story in today's gospel reading is a good example. It also involves food, but a different type of food. Today's gospel story takes place shortly after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread and two fishes. And though Mark's gospel tells us everyone ate until they were satisfied, the people were still hungry. And as Jesus continued his ministry, they wanted him to continue to meet their physical needs again. But Jesus knew that while he could provide for their immediate need, their eternal need was for spiritual food. When he said, I am the bread of life, he was not talking about literal bread, but he was talking about the true living bread in the sense that those who believe in him will have their spiritual hunger satisfied. And John's gospel now is the only gospel that does not include an account of the Last Supper. John instead took a different approach in his discourse about the bread of life in chapter six of his gospel is his way of dealing with the Eucharist. John does, in not describing the Last Supper like the other gospels, but because it mattered so much 
in that it affects the whole gospel story, he focuses here on the meaning of the Eucharist. Now, early in the chapter when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, the Jews were grumbling. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Those who heard that must have thought that he was saying something foolish. Now, if we go back just one verse into verse 52, it's Jesus says, the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Now, he's telling them that unless they eat the, his flesh and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, even harder to process than eating his flesh would have been Jesus' declaration that they had to drink his blood. You see, in the Old Testament, eating meat or food that was not completely drained of blood was strictly forbidden under the law. We see this in Genesis chapter 9 and Leviticus in chapter 17. It strictly prohibits that practice. So that must have truly confused and dumbfounded the people that he was talking to at the time. Now, he also provided a completely different perspective about who they thought he was and what they thought they needed. If we look ahead to verse 60, where he says, many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Even the disciples thought Jesus was saying was, saying was difficult. In fact, later in verse 66, Jesus tells us that many of them even turned away. But despite its mystery, the perspective that Jesus shared with his disciples is the same message and perspective that we need to hear today. The way to eternal life is to feed on the true food and drink. That message has not changed. But what does John mean by the flesh and blood of Christ? The flesh and blood of the Son of Man points to, as St. Augustine says, all the precious benefits of redemption, pardon of sin, acceptance with God, access to the throne of grace, the promise of the covenant, and eternal life. These are called the flesh and blood of Christ because they are purchased by his flesh and blood, by the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. So when we do come to the table, we must come in real faith and trust in Jesus. We must also eat the spiritual food on a regular basis. Just as food nourishes our body and sustains us physically, the spiritual food that Jesus provides nourishes our souls. We eat to maintain our health and strength. Likewise, we also feed our souls to maintain our spiritual health and strength. When our souls are nourished through word and sacrament, then we abide in Jesus and he dwells in us. When Jesus dwells in us and our hearts are full of him, we will desire to do everything in his name and for his glory. And when we come to the table in true faith and receive the spiritual food, it is transformational. When Jesus abides in us, because we are filling ourselves with his word and sacrament, we can't help but become more like him. We become compelled to share the life-giving word of Jesus with others. We are not meant to come to the table and have our souls nourished, then leave the church and just go about our lives as if nothing has changed. 
we will be different because Jesus is abiding in us and we in him. Our hearts will be continually changed, softened, and transformed. And we will set our eyes on the heavenly things and not on the worldly things. We will want to go out into the world and share the good news and the love of Jesus. William Barclay wrote in his commentary that Christianity would be a poor thing if Christ was confined to churches. It is John's belief that we can find him anywhere in a Christ-filled world. It is not that he belittles a sacrament, but he expands it so that we find Christ at his table in church, but then go out to find him everywhere where men and women meet together to enjoy the gifts of God. Barclay also tells us that we are to go out into the world outside of these walls. We are not called to build the church, hold mass once a week, and do nothing else for the rest of the week. The world is starving for the life-giving spiritual food of Jesus. And this is part of the charge that Father Andrew gave us for the summer, to be praying about how we can go out into the community and share the good news with people around us. It would be great if it was like the movie of Field of Dreams, concerned they just had a baseball game there this week, if we built it and they came. But unfortunately, that's not the case. People in need of hope are in need of hope, and it's our privilege as partakers of the true bread of life to share this bread and hope with them. So we need to be praying about what it is that God is calling us to be about. We need to be praying about how we can impact the lives of others and share the good news. And we can expect as we pray that we will receive a word. And, we can, and when we are spiritually nourished, Jesus will guide us. But that means we need to be spending time in prayer and listening to him. It means spending time feasting on the word of God and listening to him speak to us through his scripture. It means that we need to be not to neglect gathering together for the sacrament. But then we need to act. Our mission is to be disciples who make disciples. And we cannot accomplish this if we are not out in the world sharing Christ with others. How many people are out there starving or eat or being eaten by the sharks of the world. We need to give thanks for all that God has provided us and then be transformed and ready to share it with others. I want to end with this. One commentator put it this way. It remains true that God so loved the world, referring to John 3.16, and that the world he loved, having once contained the word made flesh, is now waiting like a beautiful crystal glass waiting to be filled with rich wine for the day when God will flood it completely with his own presence. John was prepared to see the bread and wine of the Eucharist as a foretaste of that great moment. So when you receive the Eucharist today, receive it in true faith and as a foretaste of what is to come when Christ abides in us and we in him. Think of it as a foretaste of the heavenly banquet to come and allow Jesus to work in your life. Allow Jesus to guide you and strengthen you to share with the rest of the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.